Well, we've been uh, working our way through the Nicene Creed as our sermon series this uh, late spring, early summer. And today we come to the last section of the Creed focused on God the Son. As we've heard before, uh, the Creed spends most of its time on God the Son, on Jesus, because he is the primary subject of our faith. He is the way that God wants to be known. Any attempt to understand God outside of Jesus, who he is and what he has done, what he did for us, is a fool's errand. Not only will you not really understand God outside of Jesus, but you will actually end up terrified of God. You'll certainly come to uh, know something of his power if you just consider the magnitude of the universe, of creation, everything that is made, but you won't know anything about what he thinks about you. You will see beauty in nature for certain, but you'll also see ugliness. You will see order, but that order will not always make sense if you're not looking at the world and God through the lens of Jesus Christ. In fact, there'll be a lot of things that just seem completely random to you. Uh, One of our good friends who we went to seminary with, uh, his name is Ben Phillips, he is a priest up in Dayton, Ohio. And just a few nights ago, uh, he went to sleep and everything was fine and he woke in the morning and a tornado had ripped through his neighborhood, just blocks away from his house. And uh, his family and his home were spared, but his neighbors just down the road had lost everything. And some people in their neighborhood actually lost their lives. What kind of God does this? How come Ben and his family was spared and others weren't? Trying to know and understand God without Jesus leaves you in a place of fear, because ultimately you end up where everything else in creation ends up outside of the Lord, and that's with death. Without Christ, death is the end of the story. God does seem distant. He seems to be, uh, you know, random and capricious. He really isn't interested in me and my particular suffering. As Jonathan Edwards Famously preached, a terrifying thing to be sinners in the hands of an angry God. But, don't you love that word? But, it, uh, it means there's hope, okay? Everything seems to be going one way. Everything seems to be headed in one direction. Everything seems to be headed towards death. But, but he didn't leave us that way. God didn't leave us there. He didn't leave us in the dark, blindly and fruitlessly trying to feel our way towards him. He sent Jesus. He sent God the Son to show us who he really is. To reveal to us the steadfast love of God. God wants to be known, and he wants to be known through Jesus Christ alone. He is the subject of our faith. That's why his name is the name of our faith. Christianity. We are studying Christ. We are focused and worshiping Christ. It's all about Jesus, who he is and what he did. And of all the things that Jesus did during his life in ministry, today we come to one of the things which is probably the least focused on when people talk about Jesus. 
and it's his ascension. We don't often focus on the ascension. It's kind of one of those, it's like one of those weird things that happened after the resurrection. You know, the fact that Jesus, after he'd risen from the dead, he appeared to hundreds of his followers, and he commissioned his disciples to go into the world to make more disciples. He then ascended into heaven right before their very eyes, right? It's like Mary Poppins, just floated off. And uh, it's funny that we talk so little about the ascension in church uh, when you consider that it's actually one of the things we most often think about, the image of God kind of floating. Oh, Barnwell, can you take us to that? Sorry, I got a little... Here we go. This is a video. It'll explain the ascension to you. Thank you, Barnwell. So that's Caleb Funzik. He is uh, one of the kids who often comes to our family service here, and he's describing Jesus' ascension to us. Uh, how he floated up into heaven. Whoa. That's one of my favorite parts. Um, <clears throat> the funny thing is we actually don't think about this part of Jesus's ministry and what he did for us very often. And it's one of the ways we often think about God, though, stereotypically, you know, kind of floating amongst the clouds. And he actually did that at, at the ascension. But um, we don't really talk about this because we're not always sure exactly what it means. And here we see that uh, the ascension really is kind of a stamp of an exclamation point upon his divinity. If you were really doubting, which the disciples may have been a bit, I mean, they were still thinking he was going to uh, overthrow the Romans after he rose from the dead. And he was going to finally liberate Israel. And they were still not quite sure exactly about his uh, divine nature And here you go, he floats out of their sight into the sky. It's an exclamation point on his divinity that he, in effect, is God. But it's not just that. That's not the only reason why the ascension really matters to us. Not that he can uh, do crazy things that defy physics. But it's really because of the way this uh, is tied into the resurrection. We heard last week about the resurrection, about Jesus rising from the dead... And we heard that all of God's promises of eternal life and forgiveness of sins find their yes in the fact that Jesus walked out of that grave, that he defeated death. But the ascension takes it one step further. It adds to that, that Jesus is actually not here. That seems kind of strange. Why would that be encouraging? Well... Uh, you know, you can't go, we talked about this before, I think, but you can't go to Disney World and wait in line to see Jesus like you can with all the princesses that you see in the, the movies. This is what we did when we went to Disney World. We had to see every princess from every Disney movie ever, and uh, the, the girls still think they all live at Disney World, right? Well, Jesus is not in Disney World, and he's not in some palace somewhere in the Middle East either. Um, <clears throat> you can't go on to Instagram and see what he was up to today. You know, that's not the way we're interacting with the Lord. He's not here. He's physically located somewhere else. And that's actually very good news, that Jesus Christ is actually in heaven. And he's in heaven in his human body. Just think about that for a second. That there is a human ruling all creation in heaven right now. I mean, that's a strange thought. 
But that's exactly what's going on. Jesus didn't rise into the sky as some disembodied spirit, which is often our way of thinking of heaven. You know, it's like our souls floating around with wings, you know, and just kind of disembodied reality up there. And that's not the way it is at all. That Jesus actually rose in his physical being. He had just proven to his disciples, we read in the gospel, that he wasn't a ghost, right? He did it by eating a fish sandwich. If you remember when Professor McDermott came last year and spoke to us, he talked about remembering the fish sandwich, that it drives home the fact that the resurrection is real, that Jesus could sit there and have a piece of fish. God is showing us that he validates, here we have Snyder's rental service is coming. Um, and now they're, they're leaving. Anyhow, um, God is validating this physical world that he made. Okay? He's showing that he actually cares about his creation. That it's not something that he was just going to throw out once uh, he rises from the dead or once we all die. But that we're actually promised new bodies. Jesus' body was clearly new, and he could do things that we can't do, like appear out of nowhere and fly up into the sky, but it was still a physical body, his resurrected body, and it fills in that promise of eternal life for you and me. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, that Jesus is the precursor, he's the forerunner for all of us. The fact that he's alive and physically present with God, the Father in heaven, is a promise to all of us that we too will be raised and we will be physically present with the Father. Our physical bodies will be redeemed like his. We'll be given new bodies like him. And Paul says it in our reading from 1 Thessalonians that we will meet him in the air as he calls us to new life. It's an awesome picture. If you ever had a dream about flying, has anybody here ever dreamed about flying? I have. I never land well in my dreams. I don't know what it is, but I always crash land. Anyhow, your dreams about flying, Paul is telling us that you'll actually get to do that, that we are going to actually be carried up just as Jesus was and meet him in the sky. That's what he says. It's pretty sweet, I think. Um, All those dreams of flying will come true. But we are going to be raised like him, and we're going to ascend like him. The second thing Jesus' ascension means for us is that we can have him with us wherever we are on earth. So that fact that he's not here, that he's actually present with God in heaven, means that we actually get to have him with us. We don't have to go to Orlando or to Jerusalem. We actually have the Lord with us now because of his spirit. He left so that he could send his spirit so that his spirit would live with each one of us. You don't have to wait in a line that's weeks long to see Jesus and talk to him. You can talk to him right now in the sermon if you're bored, right? That's a joke. Um, You can be praying to the Lord because of the spirit. We're going to hear more about the spirit next week. But this is how God designed it to work, that Jesus would rise from the dead and then he would send the third person of the Trinity so that we might have God's presence with us all the time. Paul says that in 1 Thessalonians as well, that we will always be with the Lord. That's a promise to you and me, that you're never apart from him. 
no matter what. Our ultimate hope is indeed in the resurrection and the ascension. I mean, that's what we're all waiting for and longing for, that new life, new heavens and new earth. And at the same time, we have this very present hope right now that in the midst of all the uncertainty of this life, we have Jesus with us through his spirit. In the midst of things like tornadoes that happened to my friend in his neighborhood, he knows that he can go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and say that he is with you today in the midst of this suffering because he has sent his spirit, because he is actually uh, in heaven and has sent his spirit to be with us. This is one of the awesome things when you're faced with tragedy in life, when you're faced with sickness, when life throws a curveball at you, and all of a sudden the way things were headed all of a sudden are different. And you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And you're wondering, is anything good going to come out of this? We have this awesome hope that Jesus has actually conquered everything, that he is enthroned in heaven, that he has sent his spirit to be with us through all of the ups and downs of life. This gets us to the last reason the ascension is so important for us. And it has to do with Jesus sitting down, okay? Jesus is seated. That's what uh, the creed says. It's what the Bible tells us, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. This picture of Jesus sitting means that his work is really done. His work is really finished. He's not up running around trying to tidy things up, you know, trying to do those last-minute details, which all of us do when we're having guests over, you know. He's not up running around trying to get things ready for when we show up. That's not what's happening. He is seated on the throne as the king, ruling right now. What he said on the cross is actually true. When he said those words, it is finished. The picture we get of him is sitting down, having his work been completed for us, that he has done everything necessary for us and for our salvation. The work that he did was to take our sin, to take it all upon himself and pay the price for us in his death. And he left all of that in the grave. That's what we heard last week. He took it all to death with him and left it there. And he rose again and walked out. And so that means that this hope we're talking about is guaranteed. The ascension means that your hope is guaranteed. That what Jesus did for you is actually completed. That he has done what he said he would do. There's no more question and there's no more doubt that we really will have a new life, that we really will uh, be raised up with him. One of the ways that Paul talks about it in the letter to 1 Thessalonians is he talks about when uh, those who have fallen asleep already, he talks about it as falling asleep instead of dying because he wants us to hear that it is not a final thing. He wants us to hear the impermanence of death, okay, on this side of the cross. That what is happening to those who die, it is just temporary when they are in the Lord Jesus. 
It's as if they're falling asleep just to be woken up later. And that's exactly what Paul tells us it is. That we will be woken up later, physically, by God, and we'll get to join him in the new heavens and the new earth. We will be just like Jesus. This is very encouraging for any of you who have lost a loved one, or uh, any of you who might be dealing with illness right now, that Paul tells us it's just like falling asleep. And you're going to be woken up. A new day will come. There is a morning, a new morning for us because of Jesus Christ. Paul gives us that picture. He says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. This is the final part of our, this section of the creed that Jesus is coming back. He is in heaven now, and he is coming back for us. Just as he came for us in the first place to save us from our sin, he is going to come again to get us, to take us with him into eternal life, where his kingdom will have no end. And the creed says that he's going to come again to judge the living and the dead, which at first sounds scary. But it's not at all when you remember the cross. This is the good news for us. Is that for those who believe in him, the judgment has already happened. Remember, he is seated. The judgment is finished for those who believe in the Lord. It happened 2,000 years ago. Your judgment already took place. He took it on the cross. It's done. He has finished that work. So when he returns for you, it's going to look just like Paul said. It's going to be all good news for us who believe in Jesus Christ. We're going to finally hear our Lord calling us home. This is what the ascension drives home for us. That Jesus left the way that he did. Because it means he's coming back. That's what we heard Caleb say (laughs) through the angel with the white roses. He is coming back just like he left to get us, to take us with him. God wants us to know him through his son. He wants us to understand him through this incredible work of Jesus Christ. He wants us to hear his steadfast love for us. That no matter what happens, he has promised to return and take us with him. No matter what happens in this life, no matter the disappointments, no matter the surprises, no matter the illnesses, no matter the losses, no matter the grief, whatever it is, we have this hope that God wants us to know through his son that he is coming back and he's going to raise us up with him. He wants us to know that he is with us now, wherever we are, through all of those struggles, through all of the disappointments, through all the surprises, he's with us. He has not left us alone. He has given us himself in his spirit. He wants you to know that your salvation is guaranteed in him, that you are forgiven in Jesus Christ. So if you haven't ever before, I encourage you now to take hold of that for yourself. 
It's offered to you right now. Jesus is offering you his grace and forgiveness. Take hold of it. It is yours because of what he's done for you. Believe in him. Bring all of the things that you're afraid of right now, all the things that you're hurting over, all the uncertainty. Bring it to the Lord and know that he has dealt with it, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to bring us home and give us eternal life forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the ascension that you have shown us and you have uh, given us witnesses that tell us that you indeed are God and that you rose into heaven, that your work is done and that you are going to come again. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We ask that you would keep this firmly fixed in our hearts and our minds this week. I pray, God, that this would give us hope in the midst of the dark places, in the midst of the, the painful spots in life. I pray that we would find this hope there. And we thank you that you uh, always keep your promises. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.